The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. This is the show that brings you a psychological perspective on common and current life issues. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, folks. Thanks for joining me again on Psych Up Live. If there was ever a time to be brave, this is it. We've all been faced with a deadly pandemic. We've been sheltered in place, quarantined, faced travel restrictions, economic loss, school closings, social limitations, and protests for racial justice. Whether due to these very difficult circumstances or pre-existing stress, many people wish they could reinvent or redefine themselves. Is this possible? Is it possible to consider a new line of work, a different relationship, a less addictive way of regulating stress? or a less passive response to the people in our lives that control us. Our guest today will be addressing this and more. Our guest is Anita Kay, author of the new book, Behaving Bravely, How to Mind Shift Life's Challenges. Anita will draw upon her book to share examples from her own life and her work as a life coach to discuss a wide range of recognized practices for mind and body that make difficult changes possible. Anita Kay is a motivational life coach and strategic talent manager. She offers progressive solutions to help her clients optimize their strengths and create a pathway of success. Holding a BS in marketing from USC, Anita spent 20 years in career coaching and talent acquisition. Her expertise in talent development leadership and training in motivational techniques creates a unique and effective life coaching philosophy. Anita Kay is the life coach for TGR, a Southern California California Transgender Support Group. Anita Kay, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you, Dr. Phillips. I'm honored to be here. Okay. Um, Anita, what made you write this book? Great question. It was never planned. I, I feel it, it, was my, it was probably the best inner work I've ever done and about a three years of, um, of, of intense introspection and, and really carving out matters um, that I had never dealt before. And the reason why I wrote the book was I was... I grew up as the eternal outsider, just like many of us do, and I always longed for role models that looked like me, that could talk like me, that could think like me, and growing up in the um, Asian Indian culture, typical culture and social norms are we don't deal with the white elephants in the room. So as an adult, when I went through severe hardships in my life, I realized I didn't have the coping skills to manage, and it was then I started focusing and really um, chasing every personal development, um, you know, uh, opportunity I could get my hands on to really turn my life around. And I felt that as a life coach, which I stumbled upon by accident, would be a fantastic platform to help others um, and help them deal with their trials and tribulations. 
And so I really felt that it was almost an aha moment, an awakening that I had um, just about three to four years back, and I wanted to have a voice and a platform to serve others. So Behaving Bravely is my dedication to others and, and a healing outlet for myself. Mm. And as our listeners are going to hear, Anita is not going to just tell you the happy endings. She's going to tell you about the journey. Now, before we get there, one of the interesting things about your book and the title, Behaving Bravely, is you use BRAVE as an acronym made up of five components. Let's just clarify those for our listeners. Oh, I would love to. Well, basically, um, I honed my BRAVE system over several years by working with clients and evaluating impact on their lives and their sense of well-being. And uh, I've incorporated and really thought out the steps in my own life before sharing it with others. And I think the benefits are enhanced self-esteem. You know, folks can better, hopefully, cope with adversity and achieve their goals. So BRAVE stands for, in essence, uh, the B is for benevolence. Benevolence is a, is a term I coined to describe basically, you know, helpful beliefs and assumptions that we have about ourselves. They're benevolent self-beliefs. I feel if we're going to maximize our potential, we must begin by believing that we can and stop being held hostage to our limiting thoughts about ourselves and, and those around us. And choosing the right benevolence can get you off to a powerful start. And in my book, um, there's a case study, and th- th- there's nine clients in their case studies. And I begin with a belief that's holding them back and then tr- help them transform it into a benevolence they can use to progress. And typically, when we think about ourselves and, and we've got an issue or we've made a key decision in our past life and we carry it forward, we really develop either positive or negative connotations associated with it. And we forget that it's really the gentleness and the self-benevolence that we need to exercise to help promote our own clarity. So that's B for benevolence. And the second step in this personal roadmap is what I call readiness. Just like in every, you know, 12-step program, the first step is to admit we have a problem. And the BRAVE system requires us to recognize the need for transformation and to commit ourselves doing so now. And once we're ready to make a change, then only change or a transformation, you know, is possible or hopefully are um, on our way. The third step is alignment. Uh, to affect change, we have to center ourselves around all the different factors that are impacting our negative behavior. This is not easy. This is more or less getting your ducks in a row or knowing what you have to do when you have to do it. And I'm a big proponent of making changes in our alignment and understanding a few key areas that are really instrumental for setting us up with the right alignment, and that's our environment. Um, the individuals that we select to align with to help us move forward. So I think those are really important. The fourth is vision, just like uh, uh, in any vision statement that, that we've heard out there. Vision means seeing our desired destination and basically the road how to get there. It means creating our plan. And then I think what's really important about creating our plan is viewing ourselves really honestly and gently. And then finally, engagement. Once a plan has been created for us, it's time to take action. And the action isn't a one-time thing. I know that too well. It's a process of action and reaction and learning along the way what's worked for you and what hasn't and what won't serve you. 
Now, one of the things that I was impressed with is they sound wonderful, and I don't want people to think, well, you just go down this list and that's it. But what you see through the cases and through um, Anita's own story is we can't get to benevolent beliefs until on some level we are helped to recognize the beliefs from our childhood, our culture, our religion, that we hardly know we use, Anita, as you point out so much. Like, I think at one point you ask yourself, and why am I staying in this marriage? Well, because, you know, if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. But at some point, that just doesn't work. Or the belief that it could be a gender belief, the man must be right. Or it could be a belief that mothers don't work. How dare I work? How dare I have a career? So some of these are so automatic that unless, and you as a life coach, a little bit different than as a therapist, what I see you do is stay with the person and their feelings and their story, and then eventually you turn it into an action plan, which is very interesting. It was very interesting to me. At one point in terms of vision, um, Anita literally has someone make a map. I loved when you did this for the journey mm-hmm. and where they should stop. I mean, you really use these in a very realistic way and not as a quick fix because you've underscored these with quite a toolkit. Maybe we ought to mention the kind of things, the uh, mindfulness and the other kinds of um, techniques and processes you use to help people with these steps. Oh, definitely. And I agree with you, Dr. Phillips. I think, you know, when we choose to understand or, for example, choose our benevolence, it keeps us in practicing what I call lion-like courage. And this is a lot about not only accepting and acknowledging our stress, our anxiety, our emotions, but understanding, okay, what do I do with that? You know, pausing and making the choice to select new beliefs that puts us in more relief. Only then can we turn our, our thoughts and drive us in these fight or flight situations and help make and help make productive decisions and shift us. I think some of my favorite tools or, or you know, keeping life straight because it's such a juggle, um, no matter how sometimes small or, or large our, our issues really are, is to really, uh, I think three things come to mind, three things that I really like to tell my clients to reaffirm, reframe, or basically just do a redesign. And, you know, the first thing is, and I think this is so appropriate in our, in our environment today, is have the anchors to respond to stressful uncertainty. Um, I talked about alignment. Going a little deeper with that, I encourage my clients to develop an A-team, a set of individuals that are experts in the areas where we might realize we need help, personal, professional, relationships, spirituality, and then who is that emergency contact? Mm. Do those right individuals align with you when you need help? We don't have to face our fears alone, but we need to know that we have the comfort level to reach out when we really need. A lot of us kind of grow up and rely everything on our mother or our father or our sister or our best friend or even our spouse. And many times, as much love and adoration we may have for those individuals, they may not always be qualified to help us you know, distress and and really strategically um, uncover and move forward with certain issues. And then I I really feel sometimes when we are in distress, we don't really give ourselves a lot of credit. So we must hone in and power our instincts 
and use them as a guide. They help keep us in that practice of bravery, and our intuition can really serve us well when we've got limited information from our subconscious, and it helps making decisions a lot of times, even more than logic. So we don't give ourselves credit, especially when we're going through hard times. Mm -hmm. So I just like to remind readers and listeners of that. And then I think, you know, managing our self-awareness. There are steps to, you know, turn a a bad mood around or engage in mood-boosting, you know, circumstances. So it's really important that we take, you know, our own personal responsibility and self-regulate our emotions and manage those body stress signals. And I had to learn that as an adult. Things like Mm -hmm. compassion, brave, positive self-talk, recognizing what our triggers are, those are the things we need to practice and commit to mindfulness with ourselves, along with one, compassion and empathy. One thing yeah. that you, you did with a number of clients in this respect is when they were going to try something new, Anita, and they were very anxious, you asked them to consider that the anxiety was really reflective that they were going to do something different, something positive mm-hmm. and something different from their old beliefs or the, the expectations people had of them. And I will often say to people, there's no way forward without some anxiety because you've never been Absolutely. in that territory before. And so, you know, I saw you do it over and over again with your, your clients, and it was a, such right. a very important piece. Now, you use two terms that I want, I like and I want to understand and I want our listeners to understand. Anita, you talk about mind-breaking and mind-shifting. In fact, you use that in your title as key mm-hmm. and important processes. What, what do we mean by mind-breaking and mind-shifting? So when we go deeper into our introspection and our self-awareness and we're taking a pause and we know we're in pain, we know we're uncomfortable, and we know that something's not, something's not naturally aligned or correct with us, well, uh, uh, when we regulate our emotions, just recognizing that and accepting, claiming and owning what that feeling is, is when we are able to do a mind break. So claiming our emotion, writing it down, owning it, verbalizing it, saying, you know, today I've witnessed this and I have a lot of anxiety uh, as a result. Um, So I've just acknowledged the feelings that I have about a reaction or, or an outcome that's unwelcomed. Then when we move into developing a benevolent, we've got a mind shift into one. So instead of thinking, for example, um, uh, in this dire situation, I can't see a way forward in my job or career, um, immediately mind shifting into a new thought, which is the benevolent, to something like, I choose to believe in my future clearly, and I'm ready to start a heroic journey to achieve my next step toward my goals. So, even though we may not be completely convinced at that moment that we've got the confidence or we've got all the tools, but making a commitment and a conscious decision to be gentle and turning those thoughts around is the mind-shifting process, and it takes a lot of practice. <laughs> it, okay, it so takes a lot of practice, yeah. So what, one of the things then, the mind-breaking actually means putting a break on, pausing, whether through meditation or mindfulness, to say, well, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? And once you can harness that with a certain amount of self-compassion, you then could, as you say, consider, I don't have to be in this job forever. 
you may not know the next step, but at least you've taken that shift. Absolutely. It's a discovery process, and Mm -hmm. this helps us discover what we're really afraid of, and this is committing to a self-awareness strategy, and then taking inventory, obtaining the facts on your fears, maybe talking to a professional are a few things that come to mind. Okay. So, in your own story, what do you think was a a real um, lit-up moment of mind-breaking and mind-shifting? I'll tell you, it was um, a painful but very eye-opening experience. Unfortunately, um, uh, I I ended up in a divorce, and one of the reasons why was my husband was severely affected with the disease of alcoholism. And I had never dealt with um, anyone that I loved so much that was combating that disease. And not only was he being affected, but we were all being affected, and that loved him, and we were in a, you know, in a family. And I decided to, as he went through the um, AA program, he recommended I go through the Al-Anon program, which is Alcoholics of Friends and Family, who also is a group that goes through the 12, a different set of 12 steps, and you get a sponsor or a mentor, and you can really break things down and understand the disease at hand and how to better manage it. Uh, and support your loved one. And one day, I, I, I had a sponsor, and I, I did the 12 steps over uh, a 12-month period. It was one of the best uh, therapies I've ever been through, and I'm a big fan of support groups. And um, it, when we had our meeting, I, I, I started out by complaining about my spouse, the things he wasn't doing, the drinking wasn't stopping, the fighting was um, exhausting, on and on and on. And about 15 minutes into the conversation, she said, Anita, you haven't stopped complaining about him. And we're not able to move forward in any constructive conversation today until you put the focus back on you. Mm-hmm. No one had ever told me that, Dr. Phillips. I didn't mm-hmm. really know what that meant. I, I thought, well, if his drinking just stops, we'll be happy. We'll right, be better. Right. We, I, I can love him again. But that wasn't the case, and that really was an aha moment and a small but profound learning lesson for me. Mm, Okay. We're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with Anita Kay, her wonderful new book, Behaving Bravely, How to Mind Shift Life's Challenges. We're going to come back and talk about the examples from her own life and translate them into usable techniques for you. Stay with us. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. 
on Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Are you tired of feeling disconnected and shut down? Since every choice has ripple effects, lasting happiness is a product of the choices we make each day. Tune in to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Lori Ann Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead introduced you to authors, musicians, artists, and innovators, all actively engaged in designing a world that works for everyone. Make sure you're along for the ride, Tuesdays at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Variety. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with life coach and author Anita Kay, her new book, Behaving Bravely, How to Mind Shift Life's Challenges. Anita and I were just speaking, and one of the things that I said to her was perhaps one of the bravest things she did is use herself so personally throughout the book, but it makes, I will tell you, for some very compelling reading and really hits home. You could identify with it. Now, it's interesting. I just want to read here he the titles of three of her chapters. Chapter three is how my childhood taught me not to be brave. Chapter five, how my marriage taught me not to be brave. And you heard a little bit about the divorce. Um, chapter six, how my divorce taught me not to be brave. So it's very disclosing, Anita, and it's powerful in that it is so disclosing. I know a lot of people are probably wondering, how did your marriage teach you not to be brave? You know, I really, it started before I got married. I realized after several, you know, probably after about five years into my marriage, I grew up having a fear of disappointing others, as I talk about in the book, uh, area in a lot of areas, speaking up to ask for help when I suspected I had a learning disability from grade school through college. I was a victim of a molestation incident at 10 years old. Um, I, my grandmother, a uh, beautiful woman, and uh, I grew up living with her off and on, and her words would always echo, never disappoint your in-laws. It, it's of high honor to have in-laws and to treat them as your own parents. A lot of these uh, conditions um, and thoughts I grew up with, and being a, you know, a typical girl growing up um, with the dreams of being married, having a family, that white picket fence, and, and a handsome husband, you know, um, it really supported all, all of my attitudes and my beliefs growing up. But when the incidences happened in my marriage and, and, and throughout my life, it supported my fears and, and plagued aspects of my personality, leading to, like I had mentioned, less than perfect coping skills. 
I even, and that transcended even into overeating. And, and I did not know how to take action towards new solutions. And when you don't, it can compound feelings of lack and contribute to certain experiences. So when I was in severe problems with my former husband, I was outside of my comfort zone. My fear was reinforced. It strengthened my belief that if I leave him, if I separate, um, it's going to be risky. Um, I might be trapped being alone uh, with no way out. I'll be judged. I'll be ridiculed. And my daughter, our one and only daughter, would never forgive me along with my mom and, and his mom. I had already, mm. had already lost our fathers. And that kind of guilt and the what-ifs translated into intense pressure. And uh, I was even scared to echo those words or even ask for help. So that chapter is very, um, hits home in my heart because I know there's so many of us that have the same attitudes and grew up in the same type of social and cultural um, environments and, and stipulations that, like I said, can get in the way of maximizing our potential. So I believe out of fear I, I, I couldn't make plans to move forward or deal with a lot of the problems. And once the shame started um, developing and growing, I knew I was in trouble. Hmm. So that's now, a lot made, what that chapter is about. <laughs> well, it made me yeah. wonder, let me ask this question, because in, in, in your story, um, Umesh, the man that you marry, you and yes. he somewhat break up or he moves. And you are about, yes. I think, to marry someone else. That's um, right. And all of a sudden, a call comes from him. Mm-hmm. And do you think it's that same kind of I'm supposed to, or it's real yes. choice? That, maybe talk I think a little bit. It's a combination uh, back <clears throat> then. I, I was a mere 23 year old young woman um, and really didn't understand a lot about love and relationships, and definitely not about marriage. And I was at the time involved with a Caucasian handsome man um, who I really adored, and we had talked about getting married. But then when my old, when Umesh was my first love, and he happened to be of, of Indian descent, just like myself, I felt the risks would be less uh, to select him and be with him because mm-hmm. it, he was of the same heritage and cultural background. And again, that's what I modeled. There are, there, you know, that's how my parents look. That's how my, most of my aunts and uncles look. That's how my grandparents look. So there's a silent, maybe I should be doing this. And yes, I loved him. I always have and I always will. But there was a component of a predictable feeling of, I should be doing this. This would please everybody else. I know I, I might even be happier because the risks are lower. So that's really a good example of the beliefs that aren't necessarily working for you, but they're historical and cultural. Absolutely. And they play such a big component, you know, yes. no matter where, yeah, no matter where we come from in the world, they really do. Those are the, are the primal factors of what we hang on to and then, you know, conduct ourselves accordingly. So then you go on to talk about how my divorce taught me not to be brave. Now, what do you mean by that? Yes, my divorce taught me not to be brave. You know, when I actually engaged in the divorce, I was feeling still a lot of fear, anxiety, and tremendous amount of loss, and lots of lots of feelings of failure. I'm the only individual in my entire family that's ever been divorced, probably I don't know how many generations, and the shame just 
continued on. I went through intense therapy. Um, I went all the way to India to engage in a yoga retreat, found a guru, feng shui my home, you know, tried, so, you know, uh, no started stone exercising. Unturned. Yeah. yeah. No stone and really, and really try to, really try to <clears throat> develop this open growth mindset of mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. I really had to practice telling myself, key positive self-talk and instill a brand new bravery within myself and and the beliefs that started coming after the divorce and 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 I, when I engaged in in, in in probable solutions that helped me I discovered some fundamental outcomes or truths that starting over is healthy there's a lot of value in self-actualization and, and I can redefine and reframe relationships through mindful communication and choosing forgiveness and, and more importantly, the most important was I must live authentic, like as my authentic self. And yes. that will always keep me acting through a solution-oriented mindset. I had to like myself again. I had to discover who I was. I had to discover a new woman. And so I think when I got divorced, I wasn't really there yet. That prompted me and propelled a series of chasing after many, many, many solutions to get to these fundamental truths and develop that courage. And I think, I'm so glad you used that word, because I think out listening to you are men and women who it took, it takes time and, and tremendous pain to finally muster up the courage to end what you thought was going to be a relationship that lasted a lifetime. This is not an easy thing to do. And to be no. able to do it is sometimes the most important step in adult life a person takes, especially if when you take the step, you don't have to trash everything that preceded it. I think I find just as you reflect, those people who could accept that was not the marriage that was going to work. But when it did for a while, it was an important chapter of my life. That is, we never want to go ahead burning every forest behind us, rather to use it in some way to know, well, this is the story. This is the journey. I think when you can take that perspective, it's the growth mindset you're talking about. It puts you in a much safer place psychologically. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think the biggest key for me is when I actually practice forgiveness over any type of resentment. Well, you know, we've all been wronged at some time in our lives. Um, our parents have been maybe less than ideal. Friends have lied. They've taken advantage. Significant others have betrayed us and worse. And so there's a certain satisfaction that comes from memorializing, you know, and revisiting them in our minds and, and relieving in the, and then Reveling in the pain and the memories will trigger, much like we might play with a canker sore, but clinging to our bad memories can become poison. And they eat away and they ate away at my emotional and physical health, whether I'm, you know, whether it's myself or others, whether we're religious or not. You know, we, we, I love that page from the Bible, right? We've got to forgive those who trespass against us. Um, and just as we wish to, for them to forgive our trespasses. So nothing really good comes, uh, um, uh, you know, from allowing all that pain ju- just to manifest. And mm. that's when we move into compassion, uh, living our authentic selves, and, and reframing relationships because they really can. And, and, and I'll tell you, my, my former husband, Umesh, and I are a good example of that. Uh, I won't give it all away in the book, but 
by me and him practicing those simple yet profound concepts, uh, we really have become very, very strong friends and big fans of each other. Mm. Now, I I think that that's very valuable even to your daughter. How did having a little girl um, complicate or did it propel finally deciding to get divorced? Both. Uh, in the beginning, it was, I can't hurt my daughter. Um, what kind of life would she have if we were divorced? <clears throat> what would that be like? And automatically assumed and assigned that she would not be happy and she wouldn't, and she, she wouldn't grow maturely uh, or she'd have, you know, a lot of emotional issues or mishaps. Uh, two, when I started working on myself and, and developing the courage and self-encouraging, I saw different perspectives. And when I saw the different perspectives, I knew I could role model them for her. Mm-hmm. And I had to make a choice when she was just eight years old and not really capable of making choices and say, the, the, you know, I'm going to compartmentalize my issues. And my marriage is my business and my relationship, and it won't take away from her receiving the love of two very positive, capable, and loving parents. So I really had to do some self-analysis, introspection, education, get some good feedback, and and really understand um, everything that was at stake. So So a feeling that started out kind of in misery really gravitated and grew into hopefulness again. Mm-hmm. Now, as we, as we frame this up, you use, Anita, in your journey, you say the three S's or psychological factors are important, state of mind, situation, and status. And there are three you use in your coaching. Could you explain right. them? Okay, could yeah, you explain I, them? Sure. Um, when I first uh, connect with a client, it's really important that I understand what they're thinking. What is their current state of mind? Maybe we don't have to reflect back 10 years ago, but right now, what is that person reflecting on? What's their attitudes? Um, once we know that, we can change them. Um, so our, our moods and, and our thoughts um, are self-fulfilling. So if we, if we accept, you know, expect a good outcome, it increases the odds that it will. If we are negative in our thoughts or we expect something not to turn out, then defeat becomes maybe that probable, um, you know, outcome. So it's really important to understand where are we right now in that state of mind. Then what situation are we in? I've got clients where, just like as myself, um, where I really turned the corner was after I got divorced. And mm. so my situation was, um, you know, now single, now a single mom and, and understanding what those labels meant. And so I need, and so I help others do the same. Let's understand where are we sitting right now and, and, and how do we take that and go from there? Um, so, you know, our, based on so many factors, our, our, our jobs, um, our level of education, our financial situation, um, our, our gender, you know, all of that needs to be addressed before making a plan. And then, our, and then our status. Okay, we know what hasn't been working. That's where we came from. And, and, and really claiming where that ownership was. And are there obstacles there? And where do we want to be? And what do we need to do to build that roadmap on how to get there? Is there a lot of distance? Is, is, there, is there less? So before we can actually move into a personal roadmap and go through uh, the building of the courage steps 
and achieve brave, we've got to understand those three S's, state of mind, situation, and what's the status. And I want our listeners to have an example of, of, of how Anita does this. For example, and you, you correct me, I'll clarify. Mm-hmm. So in, in a similar vein, when she's working with someone, she, will, she might say, name one thing you do because someone expects you to do it, not because you want to do it. Is this mm-hmm. keeping you from making a needed change? So you translate the concept into a workable question that the person can right. relate to. Maybe not right away, but, and then you ask, in this particular case, that was the contemplation that you offered them to consider. Mm-hmm. And then your exercise was to literally draw a personal journey or with mm-hmm. a map on paper with destination points where you stop, abandon thoughts, acquire better ones. You really make it very literal. And for some people, I think that's gold. I think that really helps, especially if you like visual metaphors, and and we really have to change up and break, right? right? That's another concept of mind-breaking, is taking that anxiety of how we're used to thinking and redesigning it into something a little bit more of a tangible, where we can actually see it, and maybe that changes our perspective. And then we can do the contemplation. And, uh, and, and from that, a lot of affirmations come, too. So that's also very beneficial. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, it happens in therapy, but I think particularly you don't have the kind of years of time with a therapist. But I think for some people, really uh, crystallizing it and giving them the tools to crystallize it really propels them to dare to take steps. Um, and it and seems I think, and yes, it sure does. It sure does. And then building that self-confidence and self-assurance along the way. And what does that do? That helps us make better decisions for ourselves. It makes us more confident. It increases our empathy. There's just, a, you know, a domino effect of, of what that brings. And all the while, what I really love about it, and we, we talk about this a lot, it keeps going back and taking that personal and social responsibility for ourselves, independent of who's hurting us, how bad our situation is, and so forth. And that's a common, you know, as a life coach, that's a common theme where my clients come to me with. So after discovering what those sources are, it's a good place to begin from that current state of mind to understanding the issues, to affecting their current situations, and the status of their emotional states. Because they usually will start, as you know, coming with mounting amounts of anger and sadness or, mm-hmm. or you know, frustration. And then really, yes, you're right, uh, asking them contemplation questions such as, do you have a core wound that do you feel is holding you back? How did it affect you when it happened? How does it affect you now? Are you nurturing it? So we all uncover supporting affirmations and, uh, you know, such as all my wounds are healing through positive dealing and then and some type of mind-shifting exercise. Mm-hmm. And I, I like okay. to offer a lot of self-reflective questions about the disturbances and then create some helpful suggestions to replace them. That reminds us we have a choice to mind break out of the old, like the, of those old thoughts that no longer serve us, and move into a more confident, um, you know, independent mindset. And again, I stress over and over how much practice that takes over time. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're here with life coach and author Anita Kay. Her new book, Behaving Bravely, How to Mind Shift Life's Challenges. We're coming back and to talk about 
one of the final chapters in Anita's book where she actually asks her daughter and her ex-husband for their impressions of what happened and, and, and impressions about her. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Join five-time world and international boxing champion, mental health advocate, writer, and speaker, Mia St. John, for In the Ring with Mia. After losing her ex-husband and son to mental illness, Mia has set out to empower those who deal with mental illness, homelessness, poverty, and addiction. Tune in and join Mia in the ring. And together, you'll find the help and motivation that you need. Listen live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you are working on your path to enlightenment, may we suggest another guide point to help you get there? It's Soul Healing Conversations with your host, Roz Kincaid. Roz and her guests are making this show a safe place to find balance, healing, and transformation. You'll learn how to manifest the best version of your life. Make sure you join Roz every week for Soul Healing Conversations, live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now, back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back, folks. We're here with Anita Kay. She's the author of Behaving Bravely, How to Mind Shift Life's Challenges. And on the cover of this new book is a lion. Anita, what made you choose the lion as the symbol of your journey and your work? Dr. Flood, I get that asked all the time. And for me, it was uh, basically the ultimate face of courage. And I work very well, as so many of us do, with visual metaphors. And when I think about ultimate courage, lots of things for us come to mind, a lot of pictures, mental frames around pictures, and I thought the line was very appropriate because we can strive to develop lion-like courage. Um, lions make benevolent mothers. Lions are the only cats that live in groups that are called prides, and if mm. it wasn't for the individuals and the support groups and the therapy and the progressive solutions I connected with, um, I wouldn't have any prides, which I'll call also family units. And if, you know, they 
they really also exude grace, vulnerability, and personal leadership. So I try to identify my characteristics and strive for those types of attributes that lions possess. Mm-hmm. And I think in, in a few of the case studies, you even ask your client to picture themselves as a lion, be, being sure able do. to hold yes. themselves strong. Yeah, it's, it's very, very nice. Now, another thing I said to Anita during our break is she has a quote. It's her quote. And um, I'm going to share it with you and then ask you to explain it, Anita. It's wander through it. Don't worry through it. It's a better journey. Yes. It actually is a lot about managing worry. Are we worried about work? Are we worried about the pandemic? Are we worried about our relationships? Are we worried about our health? The best way to respond is by considering what really drives our stress and anxiety, figuring out what those triggers and the stress determine, and more importantly, what can change. So that's the quote I derive to help my clients kind of see it from that perspective. Ultimately, it's the premise that we have the power of choice. Mm. I, I wondered, actually, when you say wander, because wandering is something that sort of you enjoy doing, if, the, if you were also saying you're going to take away the joy in life if you worry through it. Absolutely. And I even picture, you know, an image of a lion going through that uncharted territory so silently, mm. you know, and really looking at the environment and assessing it through their own senses but not reacting, not leaping, not, 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 not putting their survival instinct on. So, we, you know, is it, is it a natural tendency? You know, not all the time. Right. Not all the time. So if we, if we change our thought behind that, again, it can really lower at the moment our stress level. Mm-hmm. It's a great quote. Now, Thank you. Um, Final chapter, you're welcome. Anita's final chapter is one I have rarely seen in books where people use their own story. The title of it is Let's Be Brave Together. Personal growth occurs as a result of multiple interactions with different people across a period of time. And what she does is interview her daughter and her husband. For instance, her daughter, Sanam, and that name means beloved. She asks her, now that she's 18... Um, do you blame, or do you ask her, did you have someone interview them, Anita? I had somebody objectively interview them, so I didn't provide the questions, and okay. I did not view the answers until the book came to publishing. Okay, so we have a youngster who's an only child in a troubled marriage, um, and mm-hmm. you were worried, is she going to be normal, is she going to be okay? And she even shares your daughter that it wasn't easy because at times she was worried, is this going to be a day that they fight or is this going to be a normal day? She shares that. But when they ask her, who do you blame? She says, neither of you. I know. I think she's the brave one, Dr. Phillips. (laughs) (laughs) She certainly had a handle two very intense people. Two intense people. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yes, Yes, Um, definitely. It was, was, go ahead. I I really learned a lot from their answers. It was very heartfelt. Yes, so then they asked her, who was your role model? And she said her role model was you, Anita, her mother. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Were mm -hmm. you surprised to hear that? I wasn't surprised to hear that, and I think with kids it's so interesting, having been a parent now, and, and, uh, and I'm also a daughter, um, 
sometimes with the kids, it does shift. <laughs> so for today, I, I, I am, but I know how highly she looks up to her dad. And she, she yes. did quote that he did a real 180 in his life and defying a lot of expectations from others. And I know how much she really, really um, admires him for that. And now that we've lived our truth and really shared um, the brokenness and, and, and what didn't work, and, 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 but that there are endless possibilities when we know we have them. I think that was a good, I think, that, I think those are the learning lessons that all, that's all we can ask for for Sanam in the future. But I was very, mm. very proud of all of her answers. Well, one thing that I thought was really, really nice coming from an 18-year-old is uh, what was something that you learned from your mom? And she said that having a hard time doesn't mean only thinking of yourself. What a powerful statement for an 18-year-old. Most of them don't know the rest of the world exists. So Definitely. Yes, definitely. And And I remember when I introduced the concept of writing the book and sharing very openly and candidly the intricacies of our life and the privacy, I did, I did ask both of them their permission to a certain point and what mm-hmm. they really felt. I would not go against them if they had any reservations. And so that was the premise of the principle. All three of us think the same way. Um, we have a duty to share and we have a duty to extend our hand and a listening ear just to better our own lives and to make impact for others. So mm-hmm. all three of us hold that philosophy, and I think that's where that came from. It's lovely, and it's interesting for our listeners to know that when she was asked, as an example of who is brave, Sanam chose her dad. That is, mm-hmm. the, obviously, she very much respected that he had a very hard time. At some point, he's diagnosed as bipolar, Um and he really takes on his problems and his ability to make that, that turnaround really obviously had a, made a very big impact on her, had a big impact on her. Yes. Mm. Uh, yes, yes, absolutely. And she says now, and I hope, you know, um, that supports her betterment, her maturity, and her perspective when viewing relationships mm-hmm. now, and making critical I, I, decisions throughout them. It's true. I, I was very interested in Amesh's response because I, of course, oh, have yes. dealt with many men who've been in, through a divorce and people they can either be friends with their ex or they never want to speak to their ex. And he blames himself for the divorce. He talks about the bipolar piece. Um, mm-hmm. And then he's very open in that um, he, he says he ran away from self-love. And he said one thing about Anita is that she tries to resolve issues on the spot. Life sometimes requires time and space. And I said to Anita, I think many men would say that about their wives. We like to wrap it up, get it done, and keep on going. But there's some wisdom in his comment, because life really does require time and space. I, I really learn from Umesh's feedback and, and, and learn from those key points while we were arguing throughout our marriage. It, it, it took me a post-marriage status to really see a different light. And very, I, I agree with you. I think it, that takes a lot of wisdom and a lot of patience. And looking back at myself, one of the reasons why I wanted to hurry up and wish a problem away or make up before going to bed or putting up a front in front of our parents when we're really in, a, in an argument <laughs> is... Um, is, is, is those habitual thoughts of how it should be 
without taking into account the individual and how they cope. Uh, what do they need? How, how do they like to listen? How do they like to communicate? I lost and did not connect with him on those pieces, which are so imperative for any marriage and very critical relationships that are close. So that mm-hmm. was a big uh, learning point, and my goodness, now I realize that's also a learning curve. Mm. Now, given where we're just about out of time, I know that our listeners are going to want to um, find you and find your book. But even before I ask you to share that, if you had to give a quick take-home message, Anita, to our listening audience, what would it be? Bravery must become the new normal. Um, What we have control over is changing ourselves, changing our mindsets, and when we do... The rest just comes together. Okay, lovely. Um, now, where can we find you and where can we find the book, Behaving Bravely? Wonderful. Your listeners can connect with me at my website, anitakaysolutions.com. I'm on all the social media sites under Anita K. Solutions, and you'll find my book on Amazon. Okay. Anita, I want to thank you for coming on the show and for sharing your personal journey and offering us some real tools for living bravely and taking on life's challenges at a very difficult time for all of us. So thank you again for being my guest. Thank you, Dr. Phillips. Okay. I want to thank my listeners. Remember, you can hear this and any prior show as a podcast. By 6 p.m. Eastern tonight, this will be a podcast on my website, and on the podcast app of your iPhone, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple, TuneIn, Google Play, Spotify, almost all of them, Amazon Alexa, you can access this important show anytime that you need. Drop me a comment or a question at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Mostly until next week, please be safe. Thanks and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, be well and be listening.